When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. It is now the fourth longest game in NHL history. A minute and a half into the fifth overtime. 1-1 Columbus and Tampa Bay. The shots are 87-61 for Tampa Bay. Needs to go about another 10 minutes to pass Philadelphia and Pittsburgh from May 4th of 2000. So there you go. We'll keep you updated. As a result of this game going so long, Carolina and Boston will be played tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. Mountain, 11 a.m. in Toronto. The Flames beat the Stars 3-2, and coming up in Edmonton at 8.30 tonight, the Blackhawks and uh, the Golden Knights. The Blue Jays playing in Buffalo today. After 8, they lead the Marlins 4-1, first uh, home game in Buffalo for the Toronto Blue Jays. Well, yeah, this is <laughs> this is fun having this one on today. 780-496-0063 to call or text. Welcome back to Inside Sports. My buddy Tyson Nash, who covers the Arizona Coyotes. Hey, Tyson, how are you? I'm doing good, boys. Enjoying every second of uh, of all these games, especially the Tampa one. I, I love it. I love it. Well, two and a half games worth almost, or I don't even know where you are. I guess we're almost at two and a half games. So, okay, I got to ask you this off the t- And first of all, can you, s- I hope you can still see a television. I haven't taken you away from the screen for this interview. No, no. Well, you okay. know what? I'm, uh, I just ran out to uh, to get a, get a bottle of wine. So I'm, I'm going to belly up and, and enjoy the rest of this one. <laughs> okay, so you played 23 NHL playoff games and, and uh, almost 60 in the Western Hockey League with the Kamloops Blazers. Well, I guess, you know, plus Memorial Cups and all that. Longest game you ever played in, do you remember? Oh, man. I, I Definitely nothing crazy. Not, nothing like this. Not, not even close. Um I just can't get over, and I tweeted something earlier just about Seth Jones. And first of all, the player he is, the guy is an absolute beast. And for my money, I think he's the best defenseman on the planet just because of how well he plays in both uh, both zones. I think he's playing more minutes than, uh, than I played my entire last year tonight <laughs> in this, uh, this game. <laughs> so it's incredible to watch. These guys are unreal athletes. Yeah, well, Jones is is awesome. You're right. His brother Caleb plays for the Oilers in Tampa Bay with more pressure here. Uh, I've seen some fans tweeting out that then somebody just texted in that they hope Tampa Bay gets to 100 shots on goal or 102. So Corpus Salo makes 100 saves, which would be pretty epic. So, I mean, you, I, I know you never played in a game this long, but because Rob Brown played in that five-overtime game and he talked about trying to eat between periods which you obviously need fuel, but how much do you think you would have been comfortable eating and then going out and exerting yourself? Is it a bit of a five line, a fine line, or can, or can you just pack down as, as much as you can in an intermission? Well, I think, you know, you do whatever feels right. I, I mean, you, you listen to the, uh, the guys that, uh, you know, the medical staff, that that's what they're trained in, right? And, and they're going to do and, and put it whatever in front of you that is going to give you the best chance to, to succeed and have energy moving forward. I, I mean, I, I would imagine there's a bunch of IV, IV bags 
being tossed around, especially for a guy like Seth Jones. I mean, he makes it look so easy. But, I mean, he's going to need a wheelchair after this game. And those goaltenders, as you said, 100 shots. Wow. Yeah, the two goalies and the officials on the ice for every second of this one. Let's not forget about them. This this is just epic. Tyson Nash joining us. Okay, the Coyotes uh, advanced past Nashville, got the big overtime goal, classic playoff overtime goal, I thought. Throw the puck at the net, find the loose puck, whack it in. But, but give me a couple keys for the Coyotes winning that series. Well, uh, the Nashville series you're saying? Yeah, for getting past the qualifying round, yeah. Well, goaltending. I mean, obviously, uh, Darcy Kemper is, in my mind, uh, the best goaltender on the planet right now. He, he, he really is. Um, you know, what he means to this group, uh, you know, some of the offensive, uh, you know, cycles and shifts that Nashville, uh, you know, had in, in the Coyote zone was, I mean, it, it was like a, a firing drill out there. So, uh, Darcy Kemper was the key and obviously some pretty timely scoring from uh, some of the big boys. Uh, as well for the Coyotes. And, and this is a team that it's so fun to play on because everyone uh, is counted on to do their jobs and, and contribute offensively, defensively, and, and they got it. They have a lot of depth right now in their scoring. Taylor Hall, 27 points in 35 regular season games, a goal and three assists in the four playoff games. You know, obviously kind of a, a, a tumultuous year for Hall getting traded from New Jersey and jumping in with Arizona. How do you, how do you sum up his tenure as a Coyote so far? It's been un- it's been unbelievable, and I'll tell you what: all the garbage that I read, that I heard from from media about this guy, uh, it, it couldn't be any farther from the truth. Uh, Phil Kessel as well. I mean, this guy, any interview, anything you need, he is there for you. I mean, he'll talk to you um, about anything, and and I, I love it. And then the way he plays. I mean, you guys know all too well in Edmonton how how good this guy is. I mean, he is. He's a superstar. He's, a, he's probably one of the best players the Coyotes have ever had, uh, you know, in a Coyote jersey. Uh, he puts you on the edge of your seat. He's a powerful guy. And we're finding out he's, he's a playoff performer. He gets over a point a game in the playoffs. I, I mean, I don't think your career is defined until you can do damage in the playoffs. And right now, Taylor Hall is, uh, is definitely trying to do that. He's, he's impressed the socks off me. I want to ask you about a couple of things Rick Tockett said today, and I was just following along with his uh, media availability on Twitter with what some reporters were tweeting out. But somebody said, uh, what are your thoughts on what makes Colorado a good team? And his reply was, do you have an hour? So <laughs> is, is that is that a combination of respect and taking the pressure off your team? How do you look at his comment there? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I truly believe the Coyotes thought and believe that they could beat the national predators. Um, I, I saw it in their play. I saw it early. Uh, it's just that belief system. Uh, I think with Colorado, it, it's definitely a different animal. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, they're definitely taking the underdog role and, and they're going to run with it. And, and why not? I mean, this is, a, this is a really good Colorado team. I cannot wait for this series to start. Um, that top line that Colorado has, uh, some of their defenders, McCarr, Gerard. I mean, there's so much talent sprinkled out throughout, throughout their lineup that this is going to be such a good test for a young group of Coyotes. And also, you know, they got some veterans on this team that have won Stanley Cups. I think the Coyotes, including the coaching staff, has yeah, 12 Stanley Cup rings. So they, they have a lot of guys that have been there, but some youth that are lo- looking to learn and, and uh, you know, see where their game is at. 
I also saw a talk. It said that he didn't like the Coyotes' practice today. Now, you know, when you were a player, what constituted a, a good practice? And and would you know if your coach would would he make it known during or right afterwards that it wasn't a good practice? How did coaches do that? Just to, just interesting to me that he just kind of blankly came out and said I didn't like, uh, or bluntly said I didn't like the practice. Yeah, and he's said that before. They had uh, some scrimmages in training camp that he tore a strip off the boys and when was just like, this is a joke. This is not good enough. And when a coach says that, it means, you know, your your passes aren't aren't on the tape. You're, 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 you're sloppy. And that's, in my mind, what dictates, uh, you know, a good practice. Guys missing the net all the time, not redirecting pucks. Like, all the details um, of the game that, you know, obviously you, you need, you practice like you play. That's the oldest thing in the book, and Rick Tockett is a, a true believer of that. Yeah, well, that's and, – and Tippett said that a few times about the Oilers this year where he said, I didn't like our morning skate or I didn't like our practice, right? So, yeah, those, those little details that, that that certainly can come up. Uh, anything about the else about the playoffs? I, I know it's hard to watch every single game. <laughs> it's, it's an entirety, but I saw bits and pieces of every series, Tyson. Did anything else really strike you from the qualifying round? Well, I, just the talent and obviously experience. I mean, you guys saw – uh, you know, all too well. I, I grew up in Sherwood Park. Edmonton's always been my team. I'm always a, a fan from, from a, a long way away, obviously living in Arizona, and Arizona's my team. I call the games, but I want to see the Oilers have success. And I'll tell you what, though, you watch that Chicago team, and these guys, as old as they are, no matter how they got into the playoffs, you knew that they were going to do damage. And Jonathan Taves, Patrick Kane, I mean, you look at Duncan Keith. I mean, yeah, they didn't have great seasons, but these guys know what it takes, uh, you know, when, when the going gets tough. And, and you, they're champions, and they're, they're, they're cup champions, and they've had the success that they've had for, for a reason. And, and you definitely saw that in Edmonton. So I thought that was just remarkable. Uh, some of the goaltending performances that we've seen uh, around the league, you knew it was going to be sloppy at times. And some of these goaltenders that are standing on their head, uh, as I mentioned, Darcy Kemper, uh, Carey Price. I mean, there's so many good stories. I mean, it's the obvious all, you know, really the best players in the world are, are out of the, out of the playoffs right now. It, it makes no, no sense uh, in, a, in a lot of cases, but it's, uh, it's going to be a, a fun run. Corey Hirsch was on with me last night, and he said he would expand the playoffs maybe to, to 20 teams, not not 24, but maybe to 20. I, I wouldn't mind that, maybe teams 7 through 10, so you'd have 20 out of 32 getting in, maybe a shorter play-in round for those wildcard teams. Is that something you would lean towards or not? Yeah, I, I like the idea. I mean, obviously, you know, the NHL is always looking to, to, to make changes and make the game better and give the fans, which is the most important thing, you know, what they want. So, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think it's, uh, it's a very unique deal. Um, I mean, you look at us, you look at Montreal, you look at Chicago. I mean, we had no business being in the playoffs, and all of a sudden you got a lifeline, and these teams, <laughs> these teams are, are making the most of it. And you knew it was going to happen. You just knew it. So, yeah, I, I think I, I really enjoy the, the plans. I think it just adds a totally different element. Tyson, I'll let you go with your bottle of wine. There's going to be a power play, I believe. I think we got a puck over the glass penalty in fifth overtime. Uh, I Yeah, it looks like – let's just get the replay here. Yeah, Columbus – Oh, yeah, that's cleanly over the glass. Power play Tampa Bay. Hey, we're going to do this again, man. You're always the best. You're always available to come on. 
We really appreciate it. Have a great evening, man. We'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. Sounds good. It's one of my favorite stations as a kid growing up anytime. <laughs> right on. That is Tyson Nash checking in as I keep one eye on the television from Fox Sports Arizona, Tyson Nash. And it was uh, puck over the glass. So Tampa Bay goes to the power play, 11.45 left in the fifth overtime period. And just uh, an incredible story here in the National Hockey League. This is the fourth longest game in NHL history. And Tampa Bay hoping that it doesn't get much longer because they have a chance to win it. I believe they had another power. Was that the second overtime they had a power? Because Felino got a penalty. Yeah. I don't even remember what overtime that was in now. It was either the second or third overtime. You know, it's late into the overtimes because one of the linesmen almost did a nine gainer at uh, center ice. (laughs) Just blew an edge or something and just almost did the Swan Lake type routine to keep his uh, balance. But yeah, it's we're nearing what? 80 minutes plus. Uh, well, no, we're almost up to 90, right? 90 now, yeah. Yeah, because if it passes... Oh, and here's a shorthanded chance for Columbus. Partial breakaway. Hedman got back on... I, I can't see the player. Was was it Atkinson? Yeah, Atkinson. Yeah, it was Atkinson. That hard. That, that, uh, I'd like to see that replay. That could have been a penalty. Anyway, so this overtime is coming up on, on 90 minutes. 92.01 of overtime was the Flyers and Penguins in May of 2000 when Primo ended it. And Atkinson stole the puck, went in down the left-hand side. I mean, I've seen that called, right? I mean, does it necessarily get called in overtime? But Hedman had his hand off the stick and didn't necessarily wrap him, but kind of uh, pulled him down a little bit from behind. But but they let it go, so Tampa Bay will continue on the power play. <laughs> Crazy stuff. This is amazing. The Big L texted in earlier. I want to read this one. He, he says, um, Reed, the Oilers need to become very familiar with what it takes to win at the NHL level. Psychologists have clearly established that it is easier to establish a losing mentality than a winning one. This team needs to make the effort to elevate to another plane. They have the owner, the management, the coaching, and world-class players. Yes, they could improve marginally through development and trades, but they are just shuffling chairs on the deck of the Titanic if they don't try to overcome the level of belief and desire at the core of this organization. Well, I think you make an interesting point, Big L, and Big L, I know you listen to the show all the time, and I often will ask athletes about confidence and, and learning and getting through parts of their career where maybe they didn't feel great about themselves I mean, I do think that there's, over the years, there has been a a definite talent deficiency on the Oilers. I don't think it's as big this year as it was in in other times. But that's a fair point. I mean, Washington had a great team and would win 50-plus games in the regular season almost every year, and they'd be out in the first or second round, lost to the Rangers, lost to the Penguins, and then they finally got over the hump. So you have to think that some of that is mental. Now, for the Oilers, we don't have a lot of evidence of them coming up short in the playoffs because they've hardly ever been in the playoffs. But I I do think that there was probably some mental side of it involved in what happened this year. Was it the primary culprit? I don't know, but I, I, but I had to think that had to be a factor. And, And it's like Big L was alluding to, there are some teams, they just seem to know how to play and you just get the sense they're always in control and they're patient and they're not panicking. And maybe they didn't have the best regular season, but it seems like they just can 
hunker down and do the proper things once they get into the postseason. You know, St. Louis now seems like that type of a team. In the last year and a half, they go from being in last place and then winning the Stanley Cup and now being a favorite once again. Interesting text from the Big L. Really appreciate that. They killed it off, so Columbus and Tampa Bay still tied. 9.49 left in the fifth overtime. We'll keep you updated here on 6.30, Chet. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Braden Point has scored the game-winning goal for the Tampa Bay Lightning at 10:27 of the fifth overtime. So Tampa Bay wins it 3-2, 10:27 of the fifth overtime. My goodness! So it will be the fourth longest game in NHL history. With 90 minutes and 27 seconds of overtime, it would have had to get a couple of more minutes to pass Philly and Pittsburgh. Two games went into six overtimes, Boston and Toronto in 1933, the Detroit Red Wings and the Montreal Maroons in 1936. So it ends Braden Point able to fire a shot over Corpusalo's right shoulder. Uh, original chance got blocked. Puck came to him, quick shot, and in it goes. And the game ends. Just an epic epic duel hey i want to remind you about the 630 ched kids jersey a day giveaway sponsored by mr mike's steakhouse casual they're proud to be the official restaurant sponsor of inside sports all week we're giving you the chance to win your kid an oilers jersey from united cycle once you have the daily code word you go to the contest page on 630 ched.com and enter it in today's code word is ethan bear and we'll have another one tomorrow, the 6.30 Ched Kids Jersey a Day Giveaway presented by Mr. Mike's Steakhouse Casual. The code word for Tuesday is Ethan Bear. Everett Fitzhugh, broadcaster for the Seattle Kraken. Great story coming up. So the big story tonight, going to be one of the big stories for the entire playoffs, I would think. The Lightning beat the Blue Jackets 3-2 in the fifth overtime. Braden Point gets the game winner for the Lightning. Just uh, a crazy game. Lightning go up 1-0 in the best of seven. The final shots on goal, 88-63 in favor of Tampa Bay. And uh, the goal coming at 10-27 of the fifth overtime. So again, the uh, fourth longest game 
in the history of the National Hockey League. Also today, the Calgary Flames get a 3-2 win over the Dallas Stars. The Blackhawks and Golden Knights face off in about an hour at Rogers Place. The game between the Hurricanes and the Bruins pushed back until tomorrow morning because of the length of this Tampa Bay-Columbus game. So the Hurricanes and the Bruins will play at 9 a.m. Mountain Time. Islanders and Capitals scheduled to go at 1. Coyotes and Avalanche at 3.30. Canadians and Flyers at 6. And then the Canucks and Blues at 8.30. That is the schedule for tomorrow. Ken Holland, the general manager of the Edmonton Oilers, spoke to the media today. We were talking a lot about that in the first hour of the show. You can get more on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com or globalnews.ca. Here's Debrinket at the line. Fresh off the bench for Vail, right circle. Up top for Besson. Across Debrinket, left circle, shoots. He scores! 9.54 to play in the first. No score. Dexter Danks fires it in. Hauser comes out to play it. Centering a feed in front. What a save by Michael Hauser. Dexter Danks on the doorstep. Had a wide open net. Michael Hauser gets back to make the stop. And that's turned aside by Jordan Ruby. Cyclones keep it alive. Beaudry to the left side for Debrinkin. Up top, Beaudry, one-timer, scores! Well, let's welcome that voice to the National Hockey League. He's been hired as a team broadcaster for the Seattle Kraken. Yes, that team. They're not going to be playing games for a little over a year, but they have their first broadcaster. Everett Fitzhugh is on the line and joining me on Inside Sports. Everett, you're on with Reed. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing well. How are you? Thank you so much for uh, for having me. And I have to say, I'm still uh, catching my breath from that Jackets game. How about that to kick off the playoffs? Huh? That uh, that is a, an incredible game. And uh, well, I got to ask you the question: longest game you ever called? Do you have a several overtime game on your resume somewhere? Actually, my first year here in Cincinnati uh, during the playoff, my second year actually during the playoffs in Cincinnati, we had back-to-back double overtime games, and then game three, uh, or game four rather, was a single overtime game. So we played, oh Lord, what would that have been, eight, nine periods of hockey in a little under three days. So it was... uh, that was crazy, and we went well into the second overtime in that first game. So uh, I haven't had a five-overtime game yet, but I've definitely had a double-overtime game. So you, so those were three overtime games with no off days between games then in the ECHL? Yes. Uh, the way the playoffs work is typically you'll do weekend series, so games one and two will be back-to-back. Three and four will be back-to-back, and then you'll have a day uh, in between five, six, and seven. Oh wow! Okay, well that's pretty amazing. Yeah. So you, you were pretty busy then over over that stretch. Yeah, epic game for sure. That one's going to be talked about for a while. Great to have you on the show. Um, you, you know, it's it's kind of cool. You get to you get to be a team broadcaster for uh, a team that hasn't hasn't played any games yet. Just tell me tell me your reaction to to getting this uh, this opportunity. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I mean it, it's it's amazing. I mean for for me to be able to. Uh, to, to live out the lifelong dream of getting to the NHL is, is something that, um, you know, I, I still haven't really been able to, to put into words yet. Um, you know, I've known ever since I was, I was an 18-year-old freshman in college that uh, hockey and, and broadcasting was, was the path for me and the way that I wanted to go. And 
to be able to achieve that, you know, 13 short years later has been uh, – has been something special, and, and, and the organization has been amazing thus far, and I've, I've had so many uh, people reach out to me, lots of warm welcomes and, and, and messages and um, a lot of, of thanks and congratulations, and it, it's been really, really cool uh, to, to be able to reach this point in my career. Tell me a little bit about uh, your interest in hockey, and just from reading it a bit about you over the last uh, last few days, is watching an Edmonton Oilers game factor into your interest in the sport when you were a younger guy? That's it. Uh, yeah, I think your listeners will probably enjoy it to know that. I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm I'm an Oilers fan, although I, I think I have to put some of that fandom back in the closet now that I'm going to be in division, but. Uh, Growing up in Detroit, um, you know, not a whole lot of black kids uh, liked or watched hockey. I was one of the very few one of my friends who enjoyed hockey. So I went home and, and watched a Red Wings game. They were happening to, to play the Oilers that night. And I noticed Mike Greer and I noticed uh, George LaRock on the same team. And for me, that was an amazing thing to see two black uh, players playing at a high level and, and, and playing well. And, and I was running throughout the house screaming oh my god there's, there's two black guys on the same team so that's uh that's how i became an oilers fan and a few years later i believe anson carter joins the team so I, I really got into hockey through those um late 90s early 2000s oilers teams and, and being able to watch them a lot on hockey night in canada cbc uh just over the river so it was uh that's what got me into hockey and I, i've been a, a lifelong hockey fan ever since well, and, and you bring that up ever ever you are black. Obviously, it's been a, a time here in the world with a lot of talk about race mm-hmm. and and racism. Uh, certainly, the National Hockey League has uh, tried to have some discussions about that. Matt Dumba went to center ice and and gave a speech. We've seen some players kneeling. Uh, Darnell Nurse, um, you know, posted on social media before the Oilers playoff games about you know being called certain words and people who have supported him along the way. Um, does it? I mean, and it's, and it's believed you're the first black team broadcaster in NHL history. Does that resonate with you? Do you want to talk about that title or would you rather not make that part of the story? I'm just curious how you're approaching it. You know, honestly, for me, I'm all about having a conversation. And, and I, I understand that this is a first in the NHL. I understand that I will be the first black team broadcaster in the league. And for me, it's a responsibility that I think um, I, I'm ready to take on. It's something that I, I've always told people, you never really set out to be the trailblazer, but if you can be in a situation and if you have an opportunity to help um, foster a love of the game for the younger generations, if you can help uh, you know other black journalists, and in my case, black broadcasters, and, and people who may not think hockey is for them, if you can help them foster that love for the game, uh, you know, I, I think it can only go but to help our game. I mean, this is a, a game that historically has been perceived as, as, as an old boys club, as a predominantly white sport, and I'll give the NHL credit. They, they've done a really nice job over the past couple of years in attempting to start that conversation and attempt, attempting
starting to start to embrace that uh, racial diversity and that racial equality within the sport. Um, I saw Matt Dumba's speech and I was very much taken by it. And um, I did see the comments Darnell Nurse made. And, and, and I love the fact that now you have a lot of white players who are joining in the fight, making comments of their own, standing by uh, black players and, and, and offering messages of support to the black community and offering to, to understand the issues that go on within the black community. So for me, it's, it's a very special feeling to know that I potentially could be a part of that, that changing of the guard and, and, and that way of thinking in, in the NHL and hockey in general, that hockey truly is for everyone. And, and you look at what Seattle's been able to do in their front office, uh, their hiring practices, 45% of their staff are female or minority. You've got 54% of their executive vice presidents are uh, female. So Seattle really talking the talk, but also walking the walk when it comes to trying to change that mindset and, and change that way of thinking about uh, hiring and, and people working in, in our game. Yeah, well said. Everett Fitzhugh joining us on Inside Sports. He's the uh, first ever team broadcaster for the Seattle Kraken, so that that is pretty exciting. Uh, Jack Michaels is our guy here, our play-by-play guy here for the Oilers, and you've known Jack a while, haven't you? What's the relationship? Yeah, so I actually met Jack uh, back in the – I forget what year it was. It was whenever the uh, – the, the shortened season, I think it was 2013 maybe, when the draft was in New Jersey. Um, I was working for the USHL League office, and I, I ran into him there, and um, him and I exchanged phone numbers, and we kept in touch throughout the years. And when uh, this announcement was made public over uh, on Friday, he was one of the very first people to call me. Um, and, and him and I have, have had uh, some conversations over the years. He actually tried to help me get a job um, in Alaska when I came to Cincinnati five years ago. So uh, that summer, it was between Alaska and Cincinnati. So um, he was helpful and, and, and instrumental in helping me at least get the interview for Alaska. So he's been a big help to me. I, I've passed along some tapes to him. And uh, obviously, growing up an Oilers fan and, and having listened to countless Oilers games over the past you know number of years I've listened to Jack and Bob and I've tried to, to throw a little bit of, of Jack Michael's style into um, my broadcasting and into my calls and preparation and things like that so he's been one of uh, my bigger influences in terms of, of broadcasting in terms of how I go about preparing and, and calling a game yeah well, great guy to work with, absolutely. So l- let me ask you this. You'll probably have a mm-hmm. chuckle that I'm just going to ask at this uh, point blank. What do you do for the next year? <laughs> so you know what? It, 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 I'm not going to be sitting around twiddling my thumbs. I guarantee you that. Uh, the the city and the community of Seattle are, are so excited about this team and this opportunity to, to bring the NHL. And, and there's going to be a ton of video content, web features, uh speaking engagements we're going to be in the community a lot we're going to be going to i have to imagine every rotary club every lions club you name it uh we're we're going to be going there and, and getting our name out there i know we have uh probably some Vancouver Canuck fans we're going to have to convert up in northern Washington and um, for us we have an opportunity with Alaska with the entire state of Washington with Idaho with uh, Oregon you've got that four state region there that you can get some hooks into and try to develop and foster those relationships and build a really strong base so uh, there's a 
lot of work to be done over the next year. This team and, and their, the city, I should say, and the fans there are so excited, and, and we're trying to give them as, as much content and as much space time as possible uh, ahead of the start of the season in 21. Yeah. Have you ever been to Edmonton? I've never been to Edmonton. It's uh, one of the cities I'd love to uh, I'd love to get to, and I'm looking forward to my uh, my first trip up there when we get started in a couple of seasons or the next season rather. But I've never been to Edmonton. Well, you're gonna love it, and, and ever this was great to get to know you a little bit. I look forward to to meeting you in person. Jack uh, speaks very highly of you. Of course, he he gave me your number so I could bug you to yeah. come on the show. So thanks for doing this because I know you're probably doing several interviews a day uh given that uh, you got this the gig with seattle so thank you so much for doing this uh the the, the game between uh, tampa bay and columbus ended with perfect timing so we could both concentrate on the interview and not have one <laughs> eye on the tv while we were trying to talk to each other but thank exactly. you so much for checking in and let's do this down the road okay absolutely anytime thank you so much for having me on reed i really do appreciate it Awesome stuff. That is Everett Fitzhugh here on Inside Sports, the team broadcaster for the Seattle Kraken, their first one hired. And uh, as he was talking about, uh, the first black team broadcaster in NHL history and quite a journey he has had. And he told you, watching Oilers games as a kid, why uh, they became his team. He saw the Oilers with some black players on the team at that time and uh, and said, that's my club. So pretty cool, good for him. You heard his play-by-play, great voice. You could tell from the interview, great voice, very energetic man. Awesome opportunity for him with Seattle. It is 7.47, back for the final segment of Inside Sports. Lightning beat the Blue Jackets 3-2 in the fifth overtime. Ten minutes and 27 seconds into the fifth overtime, Braden Point gets the game winner. Just an absolutely epic contest. It has caused the Bruins and Hurricanes game to be pushed back to 11 a.m. Eastern tomorrow, so 9 a.m. here in Edmonton. The Flames beat the Stars 3-2. Calgary got a uh, 2-0 lead. A couple of quick goals from Gurionov and Ben tied it up, but then Rasmus Anderson got the game winner late in the second period and facing off uh, in about 45 minutes or so at Rogers Place. It will be the Blackhawks and the Golden Knights, game one of their best of seven. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. 780-496-0063 is the open line and uh, the number to text. We got James writing in. He says, hey, Reed, great interview with the new Seattle announcer. Hope he does really well. Sounds like he has a lot of energy. Yeah, absolutely. First uh, team broadcaster for the Seattle Kraken. I think his exact role still to be determined, but uh, awesome opportunity from him. And uh, I think his personality came through very well in that interview. Ken Holland, the general manager of the Edmonton Oilers, held his year-end media availability today. He talked goaltending. He talked uh, defending. He talked coaching, a bunch of other things. You can get all the details in the story on 630Ched.com. He was also asked what went wrong in the playoffs. I guess I would say to you, I don't see what, you, what, what, what you're saying you saw. If I analyze the series, I thought in game one we weren't ready to play. 
I thought that was a veteran team in the other locker room. They were up 4-1 10 minutes into the, into the game. I think that they knew the playoff series started uh, when the puck dropped, and I it, it looked to me like we were going to try to wade into the series. Now, saying all that in all four games, I think we had a lead in all four games. It, it felt like we were chasing the series, but every game we had a one-goal lead, but we we when we got those leads, we didn't hang on to them for any longer than three, four, five minutes. So, you know, game two, I thought we played real, obviously, the, right off the bat, 20 seconds in, Connor scored, and game three, we're up, three to two with six minutes to go in the game. I think they had eight shots on goal the entire third period. Um, we had a, we, we had a couple of breakdowns and the puck went in the net both times. And when we turned, uh, you know, we were in a, like I said, we're six minutes to go in the game. You're up by a goal and you don't even get the game to overtime. And then I thought game four, I thought we, again, we got off to a slow start and I thought we pushed in the second and really pushed hard in the third and just, 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 uh, you know, these series are fine lines. So, I mean, we're playing against a, a team that's got, you know, Taze and Kane and C, uh, Keith and they get some really good young players there. They got a, a Stanley Cup winning goaltender. So it's, you know, it's the playoffs. It's, you know, like I, you're not going to run amok in the playoffs. You're playing against teams that, uh, that are, they're good hockey teams. So I, I, I thought that, I thought the Chicago series game one, they they came out and they they were ready to go. We were not ready to go for whatever reason. I I actually thought the rest of the series we played we played fine, but fine isn't good enough. And I thought that the, the series was de- decided in certain you know by making plays. They made more plays than we did, and we made more little mistakes that they capitalized than 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 vice versa. So- all right, a little bit there from uh, Ken Holland on the playoff series. He, he was specifically um, asked uh, what was missing in that in that playoff series, and his answer was that he didn't exactly see it that way. And then he described Game One and the rest of the series. I, yeah, I, I think there was something missing. I don't think the Oilers were at or near their potential for most of the series. We saw it in spurts, and then when they really brought it, it was a it was a goaltending loss. It was Corey Crawford preventing them from either winning or tying that game up in Game Four. So uh, we inch into the off season here. Still some question marks about the Oilers. Again, I don't think he's going to overreact just to those four games. Strange circumstances. I don't think we saw anything new in terms of deficiencies for the Edmonton Oilers. I just think we saw those deficiencies more often than we would have been expecting in uh, in a four game series. Uh, Roadhammer, I got your text. I think you have included a couple words that may have been auto-corrected for you. So if you don't, I, I'm not going to read your text because I, I don't know if you meant to type the name of a, uh, of a restaurant that, that popped up in there. And it kind of confused me, Roadhammer, who is our slot champion and is a pretty good texter. But I, I think, I don't know if you have it open, Cal. I think he, there's a word there that might have popped up for him that he, <laughs> he didn't want there. So I'm not going to read the text the, the, the way it is because I, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to make him sound silly. Oh, if that's not okay. What he meant. I see it now. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Yeah, I just, think the the yeah. third and fourth words. I don't think that's what he meant. But we'll <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. See if he has time to correct it or, or clarify it. He is the uh, the one and only champion of the Sylvan Lake Alliance of Wrestling. See, Roadhammer. This is why we get writers to write all the promos and that stuff, and don't let the wrestlers, you know, write their own stuff. <laughs> okay, here's what he meant. Now, Roadhammer, am I allowed to say what you accidentally put in there? Roadhammer says, Ken Holland took a team that was nowhere near the playoffs and got them into the playoffs. 
Anyone who is disappointed or saying we fell short doesn't understand it takes more than one season to fix the wrongs that were done by the previous regimes. That is Roadhammer's text. Now that makes a lot more sense that he meant to write took Mm -hmm. a team there. Which makes me wonder why... Okay, so here's what he wrote. Ken Holland, Chuck E. Cheese that was nowhere near the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> so, how, how Roadhammer, how often do you write Chuck E. Cheese that it popped up in place of took a team? I, 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 I hope Roadhammer is, is chuckling at this too. I think he has a pretty good sense of humor. He, instead of took a team, it came up Chuck E. Cheese. Ken Holland, Chuck E. Cheese. And I was sitting here thinking, what What does he mean? Am I mis- does Chuck E. Cheese mean something that I don't understand? What is that a typo? The unintentional text of the night from Roadhammer. Love it. That's a good one. All right, thanks for tuning in. Appreciate all your feedback. You heard from Tyson Nash, Everett Fitzhugh. We're back tomorrow at 6. Uh, I believe Phil Bork from the Penguins Radio Network is going to join us. Stoffer as Oilers now from noon to 2. Dave Campbell's the producer of the show. Kellen Kennedy, your studio producer. My name is Reed. Have a great evening. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.